This week, it's just me and the mic talking about presentation tips for online events learned during lockdown. Let's look at how the crisis has changed online presenting and how you can stand out. Welcome to episode 249 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug in me and my guests into your earphones. This week, it's just me and the mic. And I want to talk to you today about presentation tips for online events. Now, I've been to quite a lot of online events recently as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. I've been involved in speaking at some of those events. I've been involved in producing some of those events. And of course, I've been a participant in those events. And I thought I'd share with you today some of the lessons that I've learnt doing all of those three things. I've noticed lots of differences in technique, whether it's a live presentation, whether it's a combination of pre-recorded and live, whether it's on a platform like Zoom or a live platform like Facebook Live or LinkedIn Live. There's different technology you can use and different ideas to make you stand out and to allow you to continue to be engaging and, most importantly, interact with the audience that's watching. Back in February 2020, and goodness me, that doesn't sound like it's a very long time ago, but it certainly feels like a long time ago. I had a good few events in my diary for 2020, speaking gigs that were booked well in advance. Now, as you know, over the last few years, I've successfully resurrected my speaking career. Many years ago, when I was in big corporate, I was always out on the road giving presentations. And as I rose to a more senior role in big corporate, I didn't get out as much. When I became a consultant seven years ago, I decided to resurrect my speaking career. And speeches like my fighting complexity in marketing, also known as the cat sat on the mat speech, and my fixing broken marketing speech, also known as the John the Wine Man talk, have opened so many doors for me. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the number of stages that I've been able to appear on over the last few years. And, and I was looking forward to all those opportunities in 2020 to take Take that message around the UK and into Europe and to the United States. Then, of course, along comes COVID-19. And pretty much within a two-week period, all of those booked events were either cancelled or postponed. And in fairness, a lot of the events that were postponed have now been cancelled or at least reorganised for a year away, so well into 2021. A few of those events did transform themselves into online events, and I'm really grateful to have been involved in some of those online events to experience what it's like to present in a live environment online. Now, of course, over the years, like many presenters, I have done webinars, but there's so much technology now that means that we can move beyond the traditional webinar, and I'm going to have a look at some of those technological platforms in this episode today. 
A couple of conferences asked me to produce an online version of my presentations, which I've done, and I'll share with you some of the learns from that experience. One of the biggest things this year, of course, was transforming what was to be the annual protection review conference, which was originally planned to go ahead on the 9th of July, into a short, sharp online event. Now, this happened last week. It was called Protect X, and it went down incredibly well. The feedback we've had from the financial services industry has been remarkable. And the reason why I think it works so well is that we really put a lot of work into the format. It wasn't just a webinar. It wasn't just people sitting on a Zoom call. Some of it was pre-recorded. Some of it was live. We zipped between the live bits and the pre-recorded bits to the extent that I'm not sure that a lot of people on first watch could actually tell when the live bit gave way to the pre-recorded bit. And perhaps that's one of the really key things is to make it such an immersive experience that people can't see the joins. And I'll share with you a little bit about how Protection Review put together ProtectX 2020. So first of all, let's have a look at the different formats online events have taken during the COVID-19 crisis. First format, the traditional webinar, using technology like GoToMeeting. People have been using traditional webinar software for many, many years, so it makes absolute sense that they would continue to use webinar software when the whole world is moving into an online environment. But some of those webinar platforms have been around for a long time. And there is this feeling that people are wanting to push the bar, moving more into video, moving more into live broadcasting, moving more into almost like television style productions for online events. So is the traditional webinar really the way forward? Well, I've got some opinions on that. Second format is what I would call the Zoom style format or, or using something like Zoom. So Microsoft Teams or something a little bit more sophisticated like LiveStorm. So I guess it's, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's still similar to a webinar type of technological platform, but more video orientated. And you're always going to know it's a Zoom style event when you've got that what I call the Brady Bunch screen where you've got a little box with all the participants in a great big tile on the screen, and you can see them all if you use the gallery view. Zoom, of course, has absolutely conquered the world. People are using it for meetings as well as online events, and obviously Zoom has become phenomenally successful, and quite rightly. And that's why it's been used as a very successful method of creating online events. But I do think that sometimes the Zoom approach can create problems. In, in fact, all video formats can create problems. You you lack that interaction with the audience. Now, as a speaker, when I'm stood on a real life stage, looking down at the audience, I can see the body language. I can see people who are maybe crossing their arms and maybe zoning out, or I can see those people leaning in, you know, that you've got their attention. You can, you can see the expressions on people's faces. You can see their excitement. You get those non-verbal cues. And as a presenter, that, that spurs you on, that keeps you going, that motivates you to really engage with the audience. And you don't get that on Zoom. You don't get that immediate access to body language. Even though you can see the people on the screen, you don't get as much of that nonverbal feedback. And that can be quite hard as a presenter. So we need to compensate for that if we're going to be presenting in a Zoom-style environment. 
The third platform that seems to have taken off during the COVID-19 crisis is the live streaming platform. So Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, if you're lucky enough to have been given access to LinkedIn Live, of course, live on Periscope, live on YouTube. Now, you're going to need some sort of streaming software like StreamYard or Restream, both of which sit on a desktop PC or a Mac, or some more advanced software like Wirecast or something like that that gives you a little bit more access to TV-style production options. Now, the great thing about these live platforms is that on the whole, if you don't want to, you don't need to set up a registration process like you would have to do on a webinar or even on a Zoom-style event. Now, you perhaps do run the risk of just letting anybody come along. And unfortunately, we do have internet trolls who sometimes can take over. But as we learned with the Protection Review ProtectX 2020 experience, we just disabled the comments within our YouTube stream. And that meant that we didn't have to moderate lots and lots of comments. In fact, I'll tell you later how we use Twitter to become the platform where people could discuss the speeches and the debates that they were hearing at Protect Text 2020. So we've got traditional webinars, we've got Zoom style events, and we've got social media live broadcast events. And I've experienced all of these over the last four months. So what have they been like? Well, quite early in the lockdown, one of the first presentations that I gave in the new normal, if that's the way to describe it, was on a traditional webinar platform. Now, it wasn't until quite close to the event that I found out that it was actually so traditional that there was no video involved in it at all. In fact, the people watching were not even going to be able to see my face. All they were going to be able to see is slides and hear my audio. Now, my fault for not checking that, I'd assumed that video would have been available. So once I found out that it wasn't video, I almost had to break one of my rules that I don't use PowerPoint to access because I knew people were going to have something to look at other than my face. So I had to put a little bit more work into what I would call traditional PowerPoint slides. You know, those ones that I really don't particularly like the heading, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. So I, I was actually a little bit more nervous about doing this traditional webinar simply because it felt like a little bit of a, a retrograde step. It felt like going back in time and doing a presentation in the style of 10 to 15 years ago. But guess what happened? The webinar went down phenomenally well. Now, I delivered it with enthusiasm. I did try to engage the audience by asking questions. I used the poll function to ask questions and to elicit their opinions. So I knew that there was that interaction going on. Of course, there was absolutely zero chance of seeing anybody watching. So I had absolutely no nonverbal feedback at all. But after the event, I did get great feedback, both from the organisers and from the participants. And what I realised at that moment was that actually, for some people, the traditional webinar is absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. Now, as a marketer, I often just get really excited about the technology. Yes, I want to play with things like Zoom and LinkedIn Live and StreamYard and Wirecast and all of that sort of thing. But for some people, they're quite happy to tune in, hear somebody talking and see some slides. And that's fine. 
that's fine. If that's the way they like to consume their content, then that's what we should give them. So I guess the lesson that I learned there, and I should know this because I'm a marketer, you always learn what your customer wants and deliver to your customer. Some people are quite happy with that format. Yes, the world is moving more to video, more to TV production standards. But for some people, the traditional webinar is fine. And if that's your target audience, then that's the way to communicate with them. Next is the Zoom style event. And I've done a few of these over the last few months as well. And again, at least you get that feeling that you can see the audience, especially in the gallery view when you've got that Brady Bunch style stack of people. Again, you can interact. You can use the chat function. You can ask people to send you questions. And that's good. That creates the engagement. And of course, they can see you in person. They can see your face. They can see your expressions. They can see your levels of enthusiasm. And of course, that's much more like a real in-person event that we were going to before the lockdown started. You can share your screen so you can put slides on for people to see. You can even use the share screen function to add some video in. And that's where you might be able to get clever by doing some pre-recorded stuff. Well, more on that coming up. The third platform that I've been involved with, the social media live streaming platform. So Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live. And I really like this platform. Again, if you're using something like StreamYard or Restream, or you've got that more sophisticated software like Wirecast, then you can, just as you could with Zoom, interlace your slides with it, interlace pre-recorded video or relevant video, make it look and feel more like a TV production, but it, it retains that personal interaction of you being live there on the screen with the participants. Now, of course, don't forget, LinkedIn Live, Facebook Live, the stream is going out live, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be there live all the time. As I said, you could do a combination of you being live in the moment and some pre-recorded stuff. Now, the whole thing is being broadcast live as is. It is a live stream, but you still have that option to combine live and pre-recorded. And I think that is where the magic can occur. So having been involved in some traditional webinar events and some Zoom style events and some social media live broadcasted events, here are some of the tips that I'd like to give you about online presenting. Now, some of these are the same as you would expect to doing it in real life. And if you're a long-term listener of the podcast, you'll know that one of my mantras, one of my rules for presenting is when somebody asks you to do a presentation or a talk, whether it's in real life or now, whether it's online, the first thing you should do is not go to PowerPoint. In fact, I advocate that PowerPoint should be the last thing that you do. You need to research your audience, come up with your big message, create the narrative of your presentation, think about the stories you want to tell, the emotional messages you want to get across, the learning messages you want to get across, the actions that you want your audience to take. All of that needs to be crafted before you go to PowerPoint. And that and that doesn't change if you're preparing for an online event. In fact, I would think it's actually even more important to get the script nailed before you think about PowerPoint. But I suppose you just need to bear in mind that whereas I would advocate for a real-life presentation at a real-life conference, my advice has always been keep the slides to a minimum, maybe use photographs with very few words. If you are presenting in the traditional webinar format, then slides may need to be a little bit more detailed. So that is actually okay. 
So tip number one, don't go to PowerPoint first. Tip number two, I think you still have to rehearse as you would normally have rehearsed for a real life event. Now, one of the things that I've been crafting over the years is making my presentations like a performance. So it's not just learning the messages that you want your audience to take away. It's also working out where you need to stand on the stage to deliver a certain point. It's about the tonality of your voice. It's about how you use your body to reinforce the points that you're making, how you engage with the audience. Think performance as in at a theatre, on stage at a theatre, as opposed to just on stage at a conference. And I think one of the problems with the online conference, especially something like a Zoom-orientated conference, is that we maybe feel sometimes that we don't have to prepare as much because we're not in a real-life environment, and we can have our notes blue-tacked onto our computer screen as prompts. Now, having prompts is fine, but overly relying on prompts can reduce the engagement factor in your presentation. So again, I would advocate that we need to rehearse just as much for the online event as we do for the in-person event, if not more, because you're going to have to engage with people who are actually sat in front of computer screens and who may have been sat in front of computer screens for many long hours before you come on to talk to them. Tip number three, video sucks the life out of people who are presenting. And that doesn't just apply to a live video presentation. Try getting your iPhone out, pointing it at your face and talking excitedly into the camera and then play it back. I think you'll find that you seem a little less excited than you thought you were when you were recording it. And I don't know what this is and why it happens, but the more film producers I talk to, the more conference producers I talk to, the more presenters I talk to, they know that video sucks the life out of the video presenter. And that means when we're doing a pre-recorded video or we're presenting live on video, we have to elevate our presentation to a higher level. We have to be more animated. We have to be more conscious of the tonality of our voice. Make it a little bit more excited. Be a little bit more animated than you normally would in real life. So that when people watch it, the fact that it's dampened you down a little bit means that it only dampens you down to what you would normally be like. So rather than presenting at 100%, you almost have to present at 130%. So that when the video sucks out that 30%, you're actually back to what you would normally be like. Compensate for the fact that video sucks some of the energy out of your presentation. And that means you're still going to come across really engaging at your online event. The next tips are really sort of cosmetic, almost like video production techniques. But tip number four, make sure that you have decent lighting. Now, I've seen some people who have got a window behind them. So the light's shining at the camera and they, they just look like a silhouette. Similarly, if you flip it the other way around and sit in front of a window, usually that light gives you a really good definition on your face. But if it's a very bright sun coming through the window, then it can wash your face out. So it's really useful to think about just how can you light yourself so that you look natural. Now, I've been trying to find a really good light for my video setup for ages. I've got proper studio lights, but sometimes in my very small workspace, they can overexpose my image. 
And for ages, I tried out different types of lighting. I've got LED light. I've got small spotlights. And funnily enough, it was my wife that pointed out to me, on my bedside table, I have this adjustable LED reading light. It's got about three different lighting settings colour-wise and about six different brightness settings. And I thought, surely it can't be as simple as that. So I took it and tried it. And do you know what? That lamp has been a godsend. It is so flexible. I can create perfect professional lighting with that as my key light, perhaps with one of my more professional lights a little bit further away from me, and it just makes such a lot of difference. So have a think about the lighting. Tip number five, it's worth investing in a decent microphone. Now, most of the time, if we're going to meetings on Zoom or that sort of thing, you're probably using the built-in microphone on your laptop, maybe the built-in microphone on your webcam. And the sound's okay, but when people are watching a presentation, when people are watching a video, they're actually more forgiving of poor video quality than they are of poor audio quality. So it's always worth thinking about investing into a decent microphone. I would advocate the Rode Lavier mic, which just pins onto your lapel. That's absolutely fine. Or maybe a desktop microphone like the Blue Yeti that I use for my podcasts, this podcast. The quality is amazing and it makes such a difference to the experience of those who are watching your presentation. And tip number six, please try to keep your camera at eye height. I've seen so many presenters over the last four months who have the camera too low, so we spend most of our time looking up their nose. Or, the other side of the coin, the camera's a bit too high and we're looking down on their forehead. If the camera's at eye height, it encourages two things. It encourages you to look directly into the camera lens. That's more engaging for the people who are watching and it just makes it feel more natural. You're framed perfectly in the shot. So those are some practical tips and tricks that you can use to enhance the experience of people watching your online presentations. And I'd like to finish the podcast today with three lessons that I've learned over the last four months, attending, producing, and speaking in online events. Lesson number one, if you can, combine pre-recorded video with live video in your presentation. And that gives you the opportunity to be quite innovative in your narrative, quite innovative in your storytelling. Now, a great friend of mine, Richard Tubb, who has appeared on this podcast in the past, he was giving a keynote speech to the IT industry. And he said that he would really quite like, within his keynote presentation, to almost like do a flashback. So he'd start off his presentation saying, this is the new normal, but can you remember back to January 2020? And another friend of ours, Pascal Fintonia, who, whose background is as a film producer, said, well, why don't we film some pre-recorded inserts of you in the past? So we got talking and we thought, great idea. So the three of us working remotely put together a few video inserts for for Richard to use in his keynote speech. So Pascal used his video producer's expertise to tell Richard the sort of shots that he should take using his own camera and the environment. So for example, we wanted to create a scene where he was huddled up by the fire. 
And so Richard re recorded the scene of him sat huddled by the fire. And we intermingled that with stock footage shots of snowstorms and, and a hut in the wilderness. And it created such a great atmosphere using video and sound effects. And on the day, Richard started his keynote live, being broadcast at that moment. And then at a prearranged point in his presentation, somebody clicked a button and that pre-recorded segment came up showing him in the past... And then, of course, once that had finished playing, he then came back into the present. The feedback was phenomenal. It was so exciting. We were so pleased we'd managed to achieve this remotely. And it just got me thinking, if you've got the opportunity to create a combination of live video on the day and pre-recorded video, it can really enhance the experience that the people watching your presentation will have. It's very, very engaging. Now, I have seen a presentation at a conference online this year where the presenter had filmed the entire presentation before the event. And it, it was almost like watching a TV production. It was phenomenally good. But actually, I quite like the ability to combine live in-the-moment video streaming with that pre-recorded approach. Have a think about it. Give it a try. It really does make a difference. Lesson number two is you need frequent transitions for online events. Now, if you were to go to a, a real-life event, a, a conference like we used to have before COVID, you know, some of the speeches would be half an hour. Some of the speeches would be 45 minutes. You know, a keynote might be an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Now, some presentation formats, TED, for example, they like to keep their presentation short to about 18 minutes. But the majority of conferences, the talks do last for quite a while. But any presenter who presents for half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour will know that it's very important, probably about every seven to 10 minutes, to suddenly change the pace or change the scene or move to a different story. And that's almost like a bit of a jolt for the audience to make them sit back up and engage them for the next seven to ten minutes. I think this is even more crucial, even more important when putting together an online presentation. What can you do every seven to ten minutes to really make your audience sit up again? Take note, is it a change of location? Is it that move from live to pre-recorded? That can give you a change of location. What is it that you can do every seven to ten minutes to make a transition that re-engages the audience. Definitely want to sit down and really think about when you're scripting your online presentation. And lesson three was the aforementioned ProtectX 2020 conference that I mentioned earlier. Now, really, this was the culmination of everything that I've learned over the last four months, all in one 90-minute mini-conference, which was broadcast live over Facebook and YouTube on the 9th of July, 2020. Now, the Protection Review in-person event, which should have taken place on July the 9th, 2020, would have been at the Landmark Hotel. Usually, 250 people come along for a whole day's conference, and they usually see three different sessions. A keynote speech in the morning, followed by three sessions, each split into three speakers, followed by a panel debate. Now, this year for Protection Review Conference, we thought we'd change the format in the afternoon. Rather than doing the traditional three speeches in a debate, we came up with this new concept. We called it Protect X. 
And we took our inspiration from TEDx. We wanted something short and snappy, so we came up with the idea of seven speakers each talking for seven minutes. And in fact, each of the speakers was supposed to open their talk with the words, we need to talk about dot, dot, dot. Then, of course, COVID came along and we had to postpone their real-life conference until, until December 2020. But we wanted to still run something on July the 9th. And we realised that the Protect X format of seven people talking for seven minutes would be absolutely perfect for an online event. In fact, it would meet the criteria that I discussed just before about having frequent transitions. Seven people talking for seven minutes. You've got that transition every seven minutes and you can keep it short and you can keep it sharp. And then we thought after the seven speakers, we could then have a debate with four or five other people to discuss the topics and issues that had been raised by the seven speakers. So this went ahead. And here is the really interesting bit. Some of it was pre-recorded. Some of it was live, but the whole thing was broadcast live on YouTube and Facebook. So it was going out as a live event. And we'd work really hard to make sure the transitions were smooth, to make sure that the graphics came online and looked seamless with the presentations. And people watching, we wanted to, we almost wanted them to wonder when is it live and when is it pre recorded? And from the feedback, we seem to have managed to pull off that illusion. Now, I'm not going to tell you which bits were live and which bits were pre-recorded, but it's worth going and having a look at ProtectX 2020 if you've not seen it already. It's on the Protection Review YouTube site, so go and check it out and, and let me know what you think. And we wanted the event to be very interactive. So again, we came up with the idea of using Twitter and the hashtag ProtectX 2020 to create an engaging environment for people who were watching to discuss what they were watching. So we encourage people to tweet using the hashtag, to reply on Twitter using the hashtag, and to retweet on Twitter using the hashtag. And on the day, this created a massive amount of engagement amongst the audience. We were absolutely amazed by how many people were tweeting. And we managed to get the hashtag ProtectX2020 trending in the United Kingdom. Now, this is a financial services conference and we got it to trend on Twitter. I think that's a remarkable achievement. And one of the bits I loved best was at the end of the seven speeches, I said to the people watching, we can't give them a round of applause because we're not in a real life event. So what I asked people to do there and then was to type out a tweet that said, thank you to the speakers. And then maybe a little comment about which of the points they made was your favourite. And I counted down three, two, one, and asked people to tweet it. And we got what I think is called a Twitter thunderclap to happen, where between 60 and 70 people simultaneously tweeted. 60 to 70 tweets isn't big in the scheme of things. And certainly if you were to go to social media marketing world at a conference that size, the number of tweets would be massively more than that. But for a financial services conference to achieve a thunderclap like that was absolutely incredible. The feedback we've had about ProtectX since then has been incredible. People love the 7x7 speaker format. The debate that followed was interactive and allowed people to participate. And everybody loved the fact that there was that interaction on Twitter. So we'd inadvertently created an event which 
utilised quite a lot of the tips that I've already talked to you about today. Now, all the speakers, we help them with their presentations. We talked to them about the fact that video can suck the life out of you, talked about decent lighting, talked about microphones, talked about the camera being at eye level. All of the things that I've talked about in this podcast seem to come together in that Protect X event. And that's why I feel so excited about the possibilities for online events. Now, eventually, we will go back to in-person events. And, and quite frankly, I can't wait for that because one thing you can't replicate online properly is the networking, is that drink after the event, is that coffee during the break. But what I've learned over the last few months in lockdown, doing these online events as a speaker, as a producer, and as a participant really makes me excited about the possibilities for the future. I think online events are here to stay. There may be combinations of online and in real life, but I think the online event is here to stay. And using some of the techniques and tips that I've talked about today in this podcast means that we can put together, you can put together something really different, really innovative, really engaging, and something that will make people sit up and think, wow, I'm really pleased that I came along to this online event. Well, that turned out to be a bit of a longer episode than I was anticipating. I hope you've stuck with me this far. I think it proves there's so much to talk about and I was getting so excited about it, so I'm not going to apologise for overrunning. I hope you really enjoyed some of the tips and tricks that I've discussed in this podcast today. If you want any help with anything that you're doing with your marketing or any presentations or talks that you're going to put together for the future, please do get in touch. Look me up at rogeredwards.co.uk or look for me on Twitter, roger underscore Edwards. I would love to talk to you. Next week, I'll be back to the traditional interview format on the Marketing and Finance podcast. So until then, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.